and I count us in. So I say five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to the second episode of five, six, seven, eight, a podcast about dance training. My name is Rebecca Berstold and I'm here with Anna Grip. Yes. Um, we are recording in Hennesand at Nordans, where I work and Anna, you are giving morning training this week. Yes. But we also have met before because I'm educated at the Danish National School of Performing Arts, where you were a reoccurring guest teacher. Mm. Yes. Um, And maybe we could start by you introducing yourself shortly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Shortly, I'm... (laughs) I'm so old that I will take a while, but no, I will try. I uh, was educated in at Ballet Academy in Stockholm, uh, three years, and then I worked with uh, Christina Caprioli a lot, which I also had at the Ballet Academy. So Christina has been a red thread in my uh, dance life. But as a performer and as a dancer, I was really uh, mediocre or slightly below mediocre. Uh, But I did it because uh, it was important for me to improve my teaching, which is really uh, my paradigm uh, of life. It's teaching, and uh, I think dance happened to be the medium of uh, my teaching, but I have been teaching uh, swimming, football, handball, uh, and uh, so it's that uh, area and field that I'm really, really interested in. That's about it. Mm. But how then, how did it happen that it became dance? Like when did you meet the dance for the first time? I was eight years old. Uh, we were moving a lot when I was uh, a, a child, and the family was moving. Uh, and then we had moved to another city again, and I uh, had tried to make friends. And and then one friend or classmate said, "I'm dancing, so would you like to come?" And that's. And I started to teach very early in that dance. It was a private dance school, uh, so very early. And after that sort of coincidence, why did you want to continue? Because you st- you stayed with I dance. stayed, uh, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> then I also did swimming, okay. football, mm. handball. Uh, then uh, I really wanted to get out of um, that city or village that I was living in. And uh, I uh, applied to Ballet Academy. And it was really a lot about getting away. 
Okay. Uh, rather than to being obsessed with dance. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I've been training a lot because I was not a talent. Uh, so I'm I'm very fond of training and maybe the teaching and the practicing is is uh, goes hand in hand. The interest of teaching and practicing goes hand in hand. Mm. I could never have anything for free or uh, rely on a talent or so I I needed to analyze. I needed to know why I was doing it and. Mm. So how did you experience the Ballet Academy when you got there? Oh, it was when I saw my name on that list. I was about to f- to be sixteen years old, and I knew it was a change in my life. That that my life uh, started in a total different direction. So Ballet Academy was as it is today, it's uh, ballet, jazz, and modern. And uh, I really, I loved it. I mean, yeah, I did. What was it that you loved? The physicality, Mm. the the amount of uh, training, I think. It was a lot, yeah. Yeah. And what happened when you graduated? Then I left for New York immediately and uh, yeah, took classes and worked at an ice cream bar mm. during the nights. And so, uh, but then I went to an audition where Christina Caprioli attended also for a job in uh, Germany. And I got the job, uh, so I moved to Germany. And Christina also got the job. Yes, she mm. was actually she had the job already. Okay. So she was in the the kind of selection selection mm. uh, team. So, yeah. And in Germany, um, we ended up also living together in all kinds of strange places. At one period, we lived in the dressing room because we had no no place to stay. And since she is also very uh, uh, fond of working, uh, we worked a lot. She she was into creating uh, dances and I was uh, trying to dance them and yeah, assisting Mm. her and it was fun, but also nuts, you know. <laughs> also um, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then so then uh, so we've been uh, really connected since I should say the time of Germany. And did you practice teaching also during this time? Uh, Always, always. Mm. I always, even in ballet during ballet academy, I went out to the suburbs and in the evenings and taught. Uh, so I, uh, um, I always taught by the side, uh, on the side. 
also in Germany and even in New York and the Swedish church. And did you experience that as something you did on the side or was that your main thing? No, no. In that time, absolutely on the side because mm. I think I didn't think, I didn't have a plan that yes, but you do, then I will perform for this long so I can improve my teaching. That was not because I was really into dancing and and training and performing and but um, but looking back in retrospective i i know that it was like that it was teaching that was my really main interest mm. for real but by that time i mean i was hard i mean it was like my teens yeah. and early 20s so did you have any training or education in teaching nothing <laughs> except in football and swimming. Okay. So I'm I'm I have a diploma in uh, uh, being a trainer in football. The f- the first two steps. Okay. But <laughs> not uh, no dance pedagogy uh, education. So really, the John Dewey learning by doing. Mm. I've been teaching a lot. I, in the early 80s also, I moved to Gothenburg to Ballet Academy there and taught. Mm -hmm. And I taught uh, in jazz, ballet, uh, modern, all groups from eight-year-olds up to... um, amateur students in in the evening who wanted to uh, do some jazz and I taught a lot like four or five classes a day a day a day oh wow that's lot. <laughs> so it I did my, my training <laughs> yeah really mm. uh trial and error I would mm. say yeah nice so I have a question that I think that I'm gonna ask mm. all my guests mm. and that is, if you could mention some things mm. that you are thankful for, that your training has been training. I am very thankful and grateful for the dance training being and serving as a ceremony of repetition, uh, almost like a ritual, the possibility of focus and doing just that, I think. Is that enough? Yeah, that's more than enough. So um, I have been taking your classes before, mm. for the first time maybe four years ago, mm. I think. And I also had have had some big experiences <laughs> in your classes, mm-hmm. for especially one time when I had this sensation of finding the floor. Mm. That was 
dramatic experience to 20 years old feel like this is the first time mm. I'm really standing mm. on the floor. And then there has uh, passed some time since I had class with you last. And then I heard that you were coming here mm. and I was super excited and I was thinking like, yes, now I'm going to have this sensation of standing on the floor that I have in Anna's class. And then, of course, Monday morning <laughs> comes and I'm like, I cannot stand on the floor. I don't mm. know what the floor is or where the floor is. And it's so funny in a way because it, in my perception is also really what your work is about. And I wanted to ask you about this question that is sort of guiding your classes. The question, and then what? Um, so how did this question develop and how do you work the question in your classes? Well, as, as I've mentioned, uh, Christina is a very important m mentor and uh, an important figure in my life and in, in the dancing, in relation to dancing. We share very similar uh, view on things, on, on many things, but uh, she is someone that also investigates in the body and within dancing and technicality and stuff. But So I think there was a point when we were talking and it this and then what became so obvious because also the experience of teaching and a lot of dancers ask but if I do this then this will happen and this is kind of the opposite of dancing because you try to find a, a, an end this will happen mm. and that's it so so then the then what is the question of constantly comforting you with that you're also really allowed to then do something else or shift to something else which at least for me dancing is about it's about moving yeah it's encouraging movement it encourages encouraging movement and i think that is sometimes more provocative than we think maybe or want to admit do we really want to move <laughs> or to be moved yeah by ourselves take the consequences of moving yes take mm. the consequences of moving exactly mm. exactly and i have a, a theory of that it also has to do with control. Uh, 
that we want and wish to have control, which is impossible. We could um, execute control and practice control, but we can never have it. it. I mean, life is moving, planet is moving, sun, uh, yeah, <laughs> so uh, um, we are moving whether we like it or not. So the control thing I think is is we is important factor of that we uh, could find it very frustrating to be in this shitstorm of moving. Mm. Actually, I watched a YouTube um, lecture of Steve Paxton last night, and he he spoke about the the being uh, that there is that the body is so quick. It's much quicker than the consciousness. So that he said, how fast do we be? Because we can say, I'm here, I'm here, but it always, mm. the body always goes ahead. Mm. So you, you bring to consciousness what the body already is doing. Yeah. But I also think that your classes is not only encouraging not having control, but also finding a stable place mm. within that shitstorm, mm. even if that place is unstable. Mm. It, it's exactly that. Mm. That I do believe, and my experiences from this uh, way of working, that the machinery that also Christina speaks about, the, the machinery of constant moving uh, parts, body parts, in relation to each other will make you stable. Mm. It's like the gravity, which also, you know, we think we're stable. <laughs> we're <laughs> really not. Uh, but we're, I mean, we're moving. But it's, it's, it's interesting how much in dance, and especially certain dance, really encourage not moving as in placement or standing leg or mm. holding keeping it's it's um yeah interesting yeah and it's something with the um, like I have had the feeling recently that I don't want to improve in the way that I did before. Mm -hmm. um, where I maybe wanted to, I don't know, be more flexible, stronger, faster. I don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And um, which is also a lie because of course I have certain things I want to prove. But there is something in relation mm -hmm. to that that has uh, shifted. Mm -hmm. And this question helps moving even though you don't have those mm. sort of goals mm -hmm. of uh, achievement mm. Mm -hmm. and you mentioned the achievement society in mm. class mm. and how this is sort of an option or mm. 
a resistance yeah. to this. Um, that there is not a certain goal to uh, achieve. And also this that it's also something that it's not a process. It is, it is a result. Every, every second is a result. Mm -hmm. So it's not on its way to something. It's not Messiah, Messiansk in that way, that it's on its way to a, to a specific place. It's, but it has results constantly. Mm. And then you take it from there. So it's not it's it's not also waiting or searching. It's doing, and it's different yeah. from doing <laughs> than searching. Yeah. Also trying um, tr to have trying in the vocabulary is putting a distance to the doing and what you're gonna do. Mm. Because trying is different also from doing. Trying is also uh, hinting that you will not do it, but you will go the step before, which is trying. Which is in a way shifting the idea about dance training. There is something in, the, in that idea about preparing for preparing. something else. Yes, yeah. exactly. That you constantly constantly prepare instead of doing, mm -hmm. and I think it it's very psychological. It I think this work is very demanding for the psyche, also, and it's psychological and tries, I said try now, <laughs> but it, it wishes to work also with self-esteem and self-confidence mm -hmm. of trust and having the trust of the doing because to to do give yourself the assignment to do or to submit mm. to something is to give yourself the benefit of the doubt to you trust that you will do it to try to do it or that you're in a process or that you are searching is is a bit hesitant that you feel that you might not be able to or succeed or I don't know mm. I don't know it's complicated and I can reverse everything I say and it's equally <laughs> equally <laughs> right or wrong but there is something I'm very intrigued by the psyche and the psychological uh, part of uh, the training and, and the dancing
I have found lately, which I think might have to do with the rest of the society, that the responsibility is always on the individual and to choose. Mm. It's the, it becomes the tyranny of choice. So without force, uh, dictatorship or other violent strategies but to have a clear proposal for dancers or students to submit to resist to yeah to evoke something that there is a proposal to relate to and to not take my own responsibility away from the class or the training or the participants. Mm. I'm responsible. So after doing these uh, <laughs> loops and circles, away from authority and other ways of planning or proposal class and stuff. I'm, I'm really into a taking responsibility and allow resistance. Allow resistance. Mm-hmm. To also have a clear point of view that could be opposed mm. should be opposed and that that can be a generous act rather than a violent act yeah the the, the, the there is a fine line yeah but i would like it to be uh more of the generous kind, yeah. of course, <laughs> uh, rather than dictating violently the, the strategies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last episode I recorded with Tillman, mm. and we talked a lot about form, mm-hmm. and we both talked about the pain of being forced mm-hmm. into a form. Mm. But also about this, like the relief of mm. having a form. Mm. And not even because of the form, but what the form is mm. offering. Um, what it means to have a form. And in relation to that, I was thinking about your classes, that we are using a ballet vocabulary partly. Mm. And wanted to ask you, like, why ballet vocabulary? But even more, how ballet vocabulary how that form I'm really embarrassed to (laughs) say that it's due to laziness I'm lazy and 
then the trajectory uh, comes from when I was teaching so much in Gothenburg 40 years ago. Um, I felt that I was interested in certain things and I didn't get that with the uh, classical traditional modern dance techniques Sachin Graham and Cunningham and Limon and because of course they are very personal uh, in the contrary of ballet which mm. is not personal so I I did form and formulate uh, a class from a ballet from a ballet class I had in New York I also took classes uh, a lot of ballet classes but also classes that was called modern ballet or ballet for modern dancers and I got very inspired by those and so I started to uh, construct uh, a class very much ballet then by the bar and, and so and with the whole the whole um, what do you say the, the all the exercises the whole continuity of the ballet class and gradually I've been also including jazz into doing diagonals across the floor and I will ne never leave my prances <laughs> and, and ball change pas de bourrée and uh, so so it's a leftover from also that and then I've actually taken away the bar and use the wall but since there is no wall to use here yeah so then the bar the bars are, are back yeah but otherwise there's um, the wall and uh, yeah and there are certain things within the ballet that I believe is really uh, it's a it's a clever it's a uh, clever uh, Hmm. form mm -hmm. structure but it's funny because you state very strongly in the beginning of the class that this is not a ballet class no it's not so how do you use that form well I think I think today it's I think it is the bar I think it is the cross that's not even fifth. I had, I don't call it fifth. Uh, yes, I say tendu. I say passe. I say plie. But so does Cunningham. So does. Mm. I mean. So I don't know. There is there is something with this class <laughs> that keep. Uh, being associated with ballet, I don't know. Mm. 
it's so funny. Mm. And of, yes, of course, the. But I don't speak of Pot de Bras, for instance. The arch. Um, I don't even say turn out. We don't you do Ronde Jean. I mean, the, all these things are really. So I don't know really what it is. Mm. But yes, people uh, associate it with, with ballet. I think I've always been more interested in the equation rather than the sum or the, <laughs> the, the figure that comes after the equal sign. Yeah. So I'm, the equation I'm, I'm really uh, intrigued by. And what does that mean for the class? It means that you don't you don't move to reach a form. The form will appear mm. through certain calculations and the machinery that's going on. And it will have very, very many different forms in a very, very quick and short time and each form is equally important which might differ from if you have a goal to reach a specific form and the way to it is a transportation uh, Um, and then you appear and exist when you have arrived to that form. And here there are 10,000 forms mm. at the same time. Um, so one of the reasons that I'm starting this podcast yeah. project is that I want to think about how I'm affected and how we are affected by all of these hours that we spent in dance classes. Uh, and I'm very convinced that this dance training cannot be isolated. I mean, it's affecting my body and my experience of my body, my personality, how I make friends, what I vote for. Mm -hmm. and you have um, a way in the classes to talk and to use language that is so concretely connecting to what we are working on physically in the studio. And at the same time, the same language is referring out to things reaching outside of the studio. The other day you talked about distributing labor, which was about involving the whole body, not having unemployed body parts. Mm. And it's so concrete and gives me an immediate sensation that it's not hard or far to just take that and say, distribute the labor, we should not have unemployed citizens. Mm. Um, so the, the back question is like, what are we training when we do dance training? Mm. And maybe you could Tell us how the dance class is 
uh, platform for micro politics. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, there's so many things because, as I said in the beginning, that I was grateful that dance training has a possibility for me to focus and to shut out things, to close for a while. It also relates to not only your own body parts or if we see the body as many that you have a society within the body you also have a society in the studio um, to bring also the norm up to surface our own norms to maybe notice the amount of norms that my body is having all from how do I initiate a movement to or how do I react when I stand by a bar and doing quick feet what does my body do and that is due to something in my past or some norms or how do I react to this language and vocabulary and to uh, get that gift of working uh, with ideas, thoughts that that will appear also from moving and what movement movement is I mean movement as in also a revolution. Mm. I don't know. I'm very interested in in the metaphors and the and politics of equality. Yeah, to see it as an equality project also dancing. Because I often experience, like, especially with these um, subjects, like getting into talking about norms, mm. it's so easy to talk about them somewhere else. Yes. And it's really hard to yes. talk about the norms that are here. Yes. Yes. And you yourself. Mm. It's, uh, it, it's hard. And... Hopefully, if we now, if I go to, to this class that we're doing this week, or that you're doing, that to also give the space and hopefully some security or safety to work with this, but also some insistence on doing it. Yeah. And that it matters here. It matters. Yeah. It matters. And then the title again. And then what? 
I think we need another revolution <laughs> very soon. Very soon. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm such a believer in dance. I have such a belief in dancing. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and. Mm. It and that it takes time. It's such a time consuming or time consuming. It it's really has a long time frame to also practice that to be within something. That's also, I mean, I try to adjust my language constantly after getting feedback or critique from outside and I, I try to uh, observe what I'm saying. So this to work with things rather than on things makes a huge difference within the ideology of the machinery and non-improvement. Mm. Yeah. Also, I love the groove. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the groove. There's also the love. groove. I love so the nice groove. So nice to dance. It's, it's, it's so, so nice. <laughs> Yeah, the necessity of a revolution, but it's also so fun <laughs> <laughs> to dance. Yeah. Yes. And I think it could be both. Uh, Christina speaks about uh, temporary submission that everything is temporary. You go into the class, you go into the training, you submit, but it's only temporary. So you don't have to commit for, you know, the rest of your life to an ideology or ideas or exercises or, but that's also to close, you know, to, to not have too many doors and windows open. Mm. You, you close, no, do this. Yeah, which is so comforting in the shitstorm. Yes. Mm. Yes. And which also allows you to come close to something. Yes. Because, yeah, we talked about like things that mm. hold, keeps you mm. on a distance from mm. things. Mm. But saying no, temporarily, yeah. this is it. This is it temporarily. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, then it could help that there is a way out. Because I think also going back to the psyche that the danger of committing or submitting or uh, subordinate is uh, really natural and of course for real but if one thinks that it's only for one and a half hour That is really something that I have realized recently 
that I don't have to identify with everything that mm. I do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's a very good way to put it. Yeah. It's true. Okay, <laughs> my last question. Yes. It's also a question that I'm planning to ask everyone. Mm-hmm. And I have this little built-in excuse before. So I say that we could question this question. But I think it would be interesting to try to answer. And the question is, what is a good dancer? I would not question the question, <laughs> but <laughs> I would reformulate it maybe. Yeah. What does a good dancer do? I really think it can only be answered within context or different and specific context. So that's why it's very difficult to to answer because the skills in one context might be a disaster in another (laughs) context. But a good dancer... Wow. Can't say. No. Because I can contradict myself immediately. There's something with organizing. Mm -hmm. There's something with organization. Certain organization based on the need of the context and the actual request of dancing but how to organize a machinery maybe it's that I don't know a good dancer does build or create or some kind of machinery could you explain the word machinery that more than one thing is going on inside but rather that it has a um, circular causality and that that machinery is when dancing faster than the consciousness or the awareness so you get conscious unconscious but that it has an awareness incorporated Mm. within this machinery that the machinery is a chain of organization that's going on unconscious and aware Mm -hmm. nice place yeah but the unconsciousness is yeah to drop out how fast do we be I'm here, <laughs> but th- let the, let the body and of course the proprioception to to train the proprioception. So you could be unconscious. I personally am totally fond of when performers don't want me anything. Hmm. That they don't have a message for me or propaganda or 
but that they invite me into something that I hopefully don't comprehend. Super clear answer. Yeah, amazing, <laughs> great answer. It's a tough question. It's a super tough question. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you, whoever is listening. Bye bye. Fantasy. 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 Fantas